let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. Guys, it's Coach Kristen. I'm back on our latest episode of The Fix. Let's link up. Today, we are linking up with two guests who are relationship coach gurus. We've got the Freemans, who I'm very excited to have them on the show today. As many of my listeners know, I recently went through a pretty large breakup, and it really has shaped the direction of my life over the course of the last four years while I was in it, and now currently today with where I'm going. And so I wanted to get these guys on the show to talk to them about what I really feel and want their intake and your input on, excuse me, um, as to if there's something missing in terms of how people learn how to communicate, whether that's in professional relationships, um, but personal and really romantic too. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you all today. And Thanks as, for having us. Of course, you're so welcome. And as I mentioned, right before we hit that record button, I love to start off with the classic elevator pitch question. So who are the Freemans? Why do we need to care about you guys? And what cool stuff are you up to on the internet? Well, we're the Freemans. Most people know us as that couple that coaches couples. That's what we do all day, every day as we work with couples. So we really get a behind closed doors view of what happens in relationships. And interestingly, when your friends, your family are posting about their family and they're with the, you know, doing a selfie with their partner, or they just got pregnant, what they're not posting is the disagreement they had last night or the way their partner triggered them this morning or how they're not feeling understood. So we're really, you know, honored that couples share with us those things that our culture doesn't make normal to share. You know, your friends often don't go like, Hey, let me just tell you the real stuff that's happening with us. It's just like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're pretty good. Anyway. So what we do, we coach couples. We're also authors of the argument hangover, our newest book coming out. And our whole approach is this behind any relationship challenge is a missing relationship skill that can be learned. And growing up, none of us participated in a relationships 101 class, a communications 101. And so what we're supposed to just bank on love carrying the day. Well, we unfortunately have some news. Love is not enough. It doesn't mean that it's not required and that it's not profound and powerful, but we talk to a lot of couples who love each other and they're missing the skills to be able to get through any challenge. I love it. I'm super excited. I think, you know, it's so funny. I've, and maybe this is because I just stumbled upon you guys on social media because of what I follow. Um, but I literally just read something today that was one of those like inspirational poetry type Instagram accounts. And it said it was a bunch of slides. And the first one said like, don't break up. And it was basically trying to make the point that if you and your partner are struggling through something, um, it's not about the fact that the love isn't there. 
it was more about the fact that like try dating each other again like maybe you fell into this pattern of like just going through the motions and and you've lost a part of your relationship that you had in the beginning that attracted you to each other or maybe your communication skills weren't on the same page um but I thought it was interesting and it, it kind of really ties in super well to what you just said Jocelyn so I'm excited to get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation and kind of learn a little bit more about how the two of you together got here and what it's like to work together together too and what the process has been like even just co-authoring a book whether that's with your partner or not I'm sure that's been a really fun and interesting experience maybe easier maybe harder you probably don't have much to compare it to so I don't know but I'll probably throw that in there as well so Aaron do you have anything that you want to add to the little pitch or do you feel like Jocelyn got it covered that's pretty solid I did think it's just a different way to say it you know we are the Freemans and we have courses coaching and certifications for couples Love it. So and lots like of different offerings. Yeah, yeah. Versus, you know, I think that's a great point. You know, I think a lot of people, and I'm curious, um, I'm sure this comes up from time to time. I wonder if people are ever hesitant to reach out to you guys because they don't want to identify that there's a problem in their relationship. So maybe by offering something like a course or any sort of certification versus that one-on-one -on -one coaching, little more approachable um, and that sort of thing to help people get into it and then maybe work up that courage or motivation to actually work with you guys in a more intense capacity alongside their partner. So before, go ahead. Well, and for sure, and I think anyone that comes across our podcast or content, anything it is on the website, mm -hmm. our point really is breaking down that paradigm that you talked about just now. Most people think that if there is a challenge, if there is something that feels unsteady, uncertain, uncomfortable, or tense, that that shouldn't be there in a relationship. Like at all, and, which is crazy. <laughs> of course, yeah. But, and then, but then, because you don't see other people posting that much about that. Right. Whether it was your parents that didn't share very much, an aunt and uncle, and you look at social, and people only really post the highlight reels, then you look out into your environment, and you don't see that. So, of course, if that's happening for you, what right. else can you assume except there's something wrong with you. And then it's something to be embarrassed about. So mm -hmm. our hope is that even from this podcast too, anything we do, you really get that couples go through challenges. And you're kind of supposed to, if you can shift the way you see conflict to have it bring you and look at it on the same page and look at the challenge together rather than having the challenge be something that puts you against each other. That's the main thing. Mm -hmm. You can either be in a boxing match like this, yeah. or you can be on a hike where you're right. walking next to each other, going up a hill. Go uphill. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So it's like all in how you see the challenge. Are you, do you have the skills to get on the same side looking at the challenge or are you going to face off against each other? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Really interesting. Well, to keep it a little light before we go down that road, because my mind is just like churning with so many things <laughs> I want to ask you. I also like to kick off each show with a little personal question. Um, caffeine and coffee are near and dear to my heart. And so I ask all of my guests, I would love to know what your guys's go to coffee is. If you don't drink coffee, that's totally cool. You can tell me your tea, matcha, whatever your jam is. And then some people, if they're particularly passionate about this, they like to tell me what they make for themselves at home and then what they order when they go to like, you know, coffee shop <laughs> or Starbucks or whatever. So would love to know from each of you what your what your morning caffeine of choice is. Well, we're pretty simple. Aaron doesn't drink 
coffee and I okay. drink Isogenics coffee. I've, I've nice. used Isogenics health products now for like nine years. Oh, wow. And, okay. and once in a while, we'll have one of their little energy shots that have yerba mate in them. And so we're pretty simple. Bla- I drink black coffee. Nice. But my drink to start the day mm-hmm. is cacao ceremonial drinking chocolate. Oh, that sounds delicious. How long have you been doing that? And what prompted you to get into it? About two years because friends of ours, they saw that cacao has been something that's been used in other cultures. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was used in Europe during the Renaissance. Like imagine uh, all of the guys that brought about, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Mozart. I mean, those are different time periods, but they would sit around at what was called salons, which we would call cafes today. Mm -hmm. And they would have cacao because it's a much more heart opening, creative drink that really allows for inspiration. Um, so that's that's really why our friends- That's so fascinating. Bring it in from Peru and Guatemala because cool. they want to keep that tradition alive. This is from ancient cultures. And so they, they shared it with me and, and I love it. How do you prepare it? Is it like almost like a hot chocolate kind of process? Like what do you, how do you make it? Except without all the like milk and sugar yeah. and all is those things. Water? So I think the best thing, because we'll mess it up, is you yeah. could, if you're interested, <laughs> you can go Dude, to- go Fly Cacao, I believe, or just Cacao with a K. She actually okay. has a really cool, oh, cool. Band with the dragon. Nice. Oh, um, sweet. So, I have to look into it. I'll yeah. link it in the show notes too. Cool. Very nice. Well, that's awesome. And how have you, did you drink coffee prior to that or were you never a coffee drinker? Uh, no, I never drank coffee myself. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. Well, you got your routine. A lot of people, it's just like about the routine of it. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, Jocelyn, but yes. I kind of feel like that. I'm actually doing a little cleanse right now, a little gut cleanse and I haven't had any coffee all day. It's the first day. So it's going to be <laughs> a little hard, but I'm hanging in there. I got my water over here, loading it up and, you know, eating lots of good stuff. But anyway, All right. So first, why don't we talk about your book since that is let's kind of go in terms of timeliness. The book is when does it officially launch? What's the date? So it is now February 23rd. Okay. So we're coming up. Coming up. Yep. Coming up quickly. The argument hangover. So the term, the phrase came after having thousands of conversations with couples. And a lot of them would be describing, like, yeah, we have this disagreement and we're just disconnected. We're not really talking. We just kind of feel sluggish around each other. Like as if they like couldn't move past the argument. Like they said they were sorry, but like it was kind of like the feelings were lingering. Exactly. So the argument hangover is a a term that we created to describe that okay. you know, the period of time between having the disagreement and fully resolving it emotionally, even if you oh, already okay. tried to say, okay. I'm sorry, and all those mm-hmm. things. So our whole book goes into communication strategies, conflict strategies, but coming from the perspective of like, what is actually tangible? Because a lot of relationship books can be nice theories, sure. but then you don't really know how to implement it. We give great prompts step-by-step exercises you can do things you can try with your partner especially if here's what's cool especially if your partner has a completely different personality type than you do we actually have a whole chapter on the communication personality types okay and so even if your partner is like more reserved or you know something like that and so anyway the argument hangover we've got some cool bonuses as well that people can get that's super exciting so what was the book for the two of you, just like a culmination of working with so many couples and frequently seeing the same topic come up that you just felt like, hey, we, we need to do something that can help address a lot of people. So let's let's make a book. Mm-hmm. And even going back to what I was starting to say in the beginning, we saw that there was a 
trend in society to sort of avoid conflict mm -hmm. yeah. or to have conflict be seen and felt as something that was bad where we just didn't think that was the case. We thought they actually missed out on a lot because I mean, imagine here you are living a life with a partner mm -hmm. and the point is to like get to know them, understand them. Right. You should have, nobody's the same. Like you should have differences. Yeah. And, but if I only share with Jocelyn, the times that I'm happy or joyful or things I'm excited about, mm -hmm. I'm basically holding back, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe 50%. Because yeah, there are exactly. times I feel disappointed. There are times I'm frustrated. There's times I'm sad about just life in general. So if I'm holding that back, number one, am I giving my partner the opportunity to really know all of me? Number sure. two, am I sharing so that I can be known? And we think that is the mm -hmm. point of a relationship. So often couples don't have the skills to share those things without triggering other emotions, whether from the past, whether from past relationships within their partner. So it seems like a tense place to go. Okay. So then you never really end up sharing all of yourself. And so we thought, man, we really want to put a book out there that changes the idea of conflict, but then also gives skills to repair from conflicts and give more communication skills so that you can keep on deepening the relationship. So really, it, it, I think it's leading from that place of vulnerability, right? And it, it's like, I, I think that goes back to exactly what you said, Aaron, and Jocelyn mentioned this in the very beginning as well with the social media posts, like everyone's only going to take the snapshot of what looks good because if we showed you something else, that would make us super vulnerable, right? Um, and you know, I've, I've seen that firsthand and I even went through that like really deeply and I really took my time to make the decision. So I, I told him literally like probably this weekend to the day last year, I can't believe it's already been that long, um, that I was having some like cold feet. I had quit a job where I just felt I wasn't respected anymore. I felt that I was being taken advantage of and, and then asked for a compensation change and got the complete opposite response. Mm. So I left, I'd been looking, looking, looking for another job and um, he didn't agree with that decision. But to my point about what we said before beginning to record, I think it was a matter of him knowing that I was just gonna go do what I wanted anyway. So he didn't mm. really voice it in the way he wanted to and maybe he just wasn't comfortable because that place of vulnerability that would have taken him for him to like really like sit me down and, and kind of talk about that, right? Um, but I felt so much shame in the fact that I was like this personal trainer and this fitness instructor. So like I was dealing with a mental health battle because I couldn't find a new job. I was questioning my relationship at the same time. I felt like I was questioning my entire just like existence and identity and I didn't know what to do next. I stopped so posting on social media. I just felt like I needed a detox, but it was more even forget the detox. I was just embarrassed. Like I was so embarrassed that like, you know, I had to go through and delete all the engagement photos and like, I, and I'm the type of person who's like so committed to things that I felt like the engagement alone, like just having the ring was enough of a commitment that I like, I, I couldn't get past the fact that like it should have been permanent and it wasn't. And I'm really curious when it comes to these different areas of vulnerability, what are the most common topics that a lot of the people you work with who are taking your courses, who are enrolling in your certifications and then have since made their way into your book are people focusing on? Like what is there, are there certain issues like specific um, themes that come up where, where these arguments are taking place? Well, I want to answer it kind of in a slightly different way than you sure. asked it. Just so first off, we were taught through media, TV, maybe your parents, that conflict equals bad. 
And so one of the things you have to unlearn is that conflict isn't something that's bad. Aaron touched on that. The next layer is then leading to what's kind of funny conflict is that people avoid conflict. But here's the thing, avoiding conflict in the short term, while that seems like a benefit, because of course it doesn't feel good to have tension and disagreement. You want to have a good day, but avoiding conflict in the long term builds resentment. It builds disconnect. And we see a lot of couples who have just gotten into such a groove. They've got the same friends and they, you know, have their weekend routine and some of the things you even shared, and they're just trying to not rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Don't make them upset. I don't want to ruin a perfectly good Saturday, but that builds into assumptions being made about each other, resentments not really knowing if you both are satisfied. So what we want to offer to people is have the conversations reveal your emotions. You talked about vulnerability, reveal places where you would like to talk about a certain area of the relationship. Let's even talk about intimacy to your question. Intimacy is a big area that causes tension, not feeling like they're getting enough time, intimacy, physical intimacy, money, of course, is a big one. Uh, even just feeling understood, like communication itself is a point of an argument. Like, I don't like totally. the way you communicate with yeah, me. Like someone acknowledging, like, like, I, like I would imagine um, you probably see a lot with like gaslighting and things like that. Like when people can't recognize it and you know. Yeah. I think that that's again, a deficiency in not having the skills for the right, Cause part. where are you going to learn them? So what we would offer to the listeners is rather than avoiding conflict, learn to proactively communicate your needs in a way that doesn't trigger an argument that doesn't make it like your partner's doing something wrong. So a lot of it has to do with how you initiate it, how you bring it up and bringing it up in a way that works for your, what we call your partner's communication personality type. Okay. And so everyone in a way needs a slightly different approach. Mm -hmm. And so it, you can't always communicate the way you communicate. You want to. It's like you know? the love languages, right? I'm sure you get that comparison yes. a lot. So mm -hmm. many people are so quick to express love in their love languages without learning what the other person's are. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a lot we could go. Where do you want to take it next? I know. I, I'm like literally thinking of so many questions. I should be here with like a pen and writing it down. Um, I guess my next question would be, you know, in getting into like more of those communication styles, like I'm sure you have, you know, like four or five of what they are in people's communication personality types, but maybe just kind of give me like an overview of a couple of them, maybe the most common ones that you see in, in a lot of what you're saying, I'm sure you've read this book and it's like, it keeps popping into my head. Um, have you read attached? I we've heard of it. And I, a lot of people I know talk about the attachment mm -hmm. styles and things like that. We don't specifically, uh, like research that or teach okay. that. It, it's just a different, like that's different definitely more thing. of like a clinical kind yeah. of approach I would say. So tell me a little bit more about how you, first of all, much to how you created this idea of the name of the book and this like argument hangover, how did you develop these personality types? How did you identify them? Was it just like a lot of case studies of working with your clients one-on-one? -on -one? studies. Yeah, not even specifically us. We partner with a company that has the number one relationship assessment in the world. Oh, and so wow. That's so cool. We're, yeah, we're facilitators mm -hmm. of that work. And so just by delivering and doing assessment results with couples that we coach, we start to notice patterns, right? And so what we really saw from that was there are two scales. There's the scale of where you fall as a partner from assertive 
to reserved. So that's really one side. And the assertiveness is not just that you talk a lot or you say mm -hmm. what you feel. It really has more to do with your openness and your willingness to share your thoughts, your feelings, and your needs with okay. your partner proactively. Mm -hmm. So could you give me an example of like, I guess, kind of the two extremes of like, what are the typical behaviors of somebody who is on the reserved end versus somebody who's on the more assertive side? Because I think the distinction you're making with the assertive is it's like, you don't want to confuse it per se with being aggressive, right? right. Because somebody oh, yeah. could be super open and very calm. Well, let's even use the example of where you were at looking for a new job with, you know, your past with the past relationship. I know you said this was good to talk about. So clearly he was more of a reserve type where you were probably more totally. of an assertive. hundred percent. Like I'm hearing it and smiling because I, I know we, we are like one of us was here and there. But what would be different to your question is rather than be assertive in mm -hmm. telling your partner how it's going to go, mm -hmm. I'm going to get this other job and you don't have any say in it. Right. You would be assertive in, in sharing what your desire is. Hey, I just want to let you know that this job that I have been in just isn't seeming to be a match to like, you know, my skills and my mm -hmm. gifts and how I would really like to feel is respected. I like to feel contribution. And so for me, it's a line to look for a different job, right? So that's, okay. that's assertive is in that but you're, you're saying like, for me, it's, that's my reason for wanting to look for another job. Yeah. Like and just piece of it. It's probably yeah, being very open to sharing your desires, right? And what's not what's not a match to fulfilling that within yourself. Okay. And it still is an invitation to your partner to be in conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's not like you're just drawing the line hard and right. fast and saying you, you don't have any say in this. Yeah. You're asserting and sharing your needs, your desires, and often even our own fears mm -hmm. to keep totally. the lines of communication proactive and open. I even want to, because I'm sure you attract a lot just because of your brand, because mm -hmm. you know how outspoken you are and how assertive you are, you likely attract a lot of women who are also assertive. So 100%. I want to use this as a mini coaching session for yeah, you. Yeah, let's do it. I would love it. Okay. That's, yeah. So- because we, you ended one relationship that wasn't in alignment. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Cause you followed your intuition. You said, this isn't, a, I don't get to be my highest self. I don't really get to know what's important to him, but just ending one relationship doesn't mean you won't bring the same patterns that didn't to the next one. Next yes. One. And that's been, I'm like, I, I'm really happy you brought that up because I'm actually like dealing with this now because it's made me really hesitant to date people mm -hmm. just because I, I have felt like I worked so hard in therapy to work on my communication skills and develop like like I couldn't identify the things that were important to me like I just knew I wasn't like something was wrong but I'd never put it into words the way I wanted to to then communicate it to someone else like the communication piece is adding it in another layer if I couldn't even picture it and describe it for myself because at the end of the day like we always have us and we have to have that good relationship with the voice in our head right so tell me like if you work with people like myself who are kind of in that transition what kinds of things should I be thinking about potentially doing um and kind of monitoring if I'm even you know going on a date and trying to describe to a person who I feel that I am and my story yeah 
Yeah. So I would, so communication is both speaking and listening, right? So I want to give it because I'm sure a lot of people who are in, who are more assertive, they tend to be with more reserved partners, right? We all hear the thing opposites attract. Mm -hmm. So you likely will either date or be in a relationship with someone who is more reserved. I could be wrong and you end up attracting another super assertive person, but that in itself has its own fire. You would have more of a fiery relationship. So let's say you're dating someone who's reserved. Some suggestions I'd give to you, and these come from our come from our book as well. If you are the assertive person and you are, and you're with a reserved partner, you actually want to in, ask them questions before you share. Okay. Because a reserved partner can feel dominated and overwhelmed. And over time, that starts to make them feel like they don't matter. And it probably makes them even less likely to share, correct? Exactly. Okay. So you would want to lead with questions because you are such an assertive partner and person in general, you could dominate conversations, mm-hmm. right? Oh, totally. So, yeah. yeah. So you'll, you would likely have even better connections with people if you led with questions, that being one and invited someone into talking about something because you might be like, I want to talk about this right now. Right. But the other person might not be in the same frame of mind and it might feel overwhelming to them. So you'd actually be like, Hey, I think it'd be cool if we talked about business. Mm -hmm. Do you feel up for that right now? Okay. It's inviting. It's almost like you're being like, Hey, I'm, I'm going through this doorway. Do you want to, do you want to go right. talk do you to that come doorway? In. Yeah. Yeah. So those are just a couple, I could go on and on about them, but it's cause it's, it's well, not let me jump about, in yeah. with the reserve people. Cause that's yeah, to give the, comparison. those are my people. <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it is part of our job to recognize the reserved as in a lower willingness to express our Feelings, And I think you mentioned this about the partner that you were with, where you also wanted to hear from him, but maybe he just took it at face, at face value. And so Mm -hmm. reserve can all can often in this dynamic feel that they don't really want to hear from me or they don't really care about my opinion. But see, if us reserve people stay in that frame of mind Mm -hmm. and we're not speaking up, what else are we going to do except after that conversation, continue we're going to go off that. and we're going to continue to think that, mm-hmm. well, they don't really care that much about me. They don't want to hear from me. Why am I in this relationship then? And you are creating your own internal world right. about the dynamics between you two rather than reserve mm-hmm. people really need to say, you know, hey, there is something I'd like to share about that. Would you like to hear my opinion? Just start to say a little bit more to keep the conversation engaged. Now, often for reserve people too, we also need time to process Process. our emotion. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean we have to talk right now, but at least to communicate, hey, I have some thoughts on that and I'd like to share them with you maybe a little bit later. I'm going to get my thoughts together or, hey, you know what? I'm really feeling some emotion around that, but hey, can I take an hour just to process that? But I'd like to come back to this. And why do you think that? Why, like, I totally hear what you're saying about like the processing piece, because I will tell you one of the best things that I actually learned from my partner, that partner in terms of communication style was like pausing before I said something hmm. um, because he was really slow. And like from my perspective, very yeah. slow sometimes to for me to ask him a question or make a statement that I wanted him to have reaction to. 
um, and then really like say something about it and something that I learned from him that I respect and appreciate because it's actually helped me a lot in business because it's hard for me to be the listener. And so I kind of think about his communication style because it, it plays to something that I need to work on. Um, and I always noticed that he just like paused a lot and like thought about what he was going to say. And I hated it. Like it made me very uncomfortable. Right. Um, but I guess, and this, maybe this is like a little too sciencey, so forgive me if it is, but what is it, Aaron, about that reserved communication style and personality type that is encouraging the person to be that way? Is it just like innate? Is it something that was reinforced to them in childhood? Because I would like to take the conversation there next. Like I'm super curious about upbringing and how that plays into all of this stuff because our upbringings were very opposite. That's a great question. I think it can be a multiple things. For me personally, it was part of my upbringing. I mm -hmm. watched my dad and to me, this was actually a, a good way to go about it. When him and my mom got into some sort of disagreement, he would just immediately stop and he would just turn and walk away. And so in contrast to maybe like blowing up or yelling, anything like that, that seemed to be better. Mm -hmm. but Did he come back and have, well, I guess maybe you didn't see it, but do you know if he came back and had the conversation with your mom later? Like to That's the thing. Like, I don't idea. know. Right. So for me, yeah, so I only saw that he half didn't. the process. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So it can be from that. And so in the case for reserve too, I also thought to say, you might write down your idea. So an assertive person can say, Hey, it seems like you need some time as a reserve person. I can go write out my thoughts and then come mm -hmm. back to the assertive person and read them. Okay. But the other thing I did think to share is maybe us reserve people were in previous relationships with assertive people. And when we did try to speak up, Though no fault of the assertive person, we feel cut off. We sure. feel like they don't want to hear from us. So that mm -hmm. reinforces this idea of we shouldn't speak up. To what Jocelyn said earlier about carrying that behavior or feeling into the next relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kind of feeling like I'm actually going to get rejected here. I'm actually going to get invalidated <laughs> exactly. here. When so, it's like you, they didn't really give that assertive partner a chance to demonstrate that they might not fit the stereotype of what they were facing before. And then I don't know if you guys know much about this, but how much does that get reinforced by non-romantic relationships? Like what about with your family or like the relationship between you and your parents? Um, and I, I'm really curious about this one because um, that the dynamic that I had with my parents versus the dynamic that he had with his was so vastly different. And I felt, you know, as we got closer to our wedding and them being involved in the planning process, a lot of that became super evident and it wouldn't have otherwise. Like we lived in different states. Mm. They never had much interaction. Um, like it was always in isolation. Like I was with him and his, his family, he was with me and mine, but we never like came together. Right. And that's not uncommon. Like that's pretty common for people these days when they meet their partner, that's not like somebody they met in their childhood or something like that. Mm -hmm. So how does that play a factor? I mean, like if you work on all this stuff all the time, right. But then you're at work, maybe you're still dealing mm -hmm. with it or like in, mm -hmm. at home with other members of your family. Yeah. All relationships teach us every single relationship is a teacher. So how we experience ourselves and our family work. And I think the work for people who are listening is to number one, become aware of their tendencies, their patterns, what they do when they're interacting with different types, 
have that level of awareness such that you could be with any type of person and and think, how can I best communicate with this person? So once you master yourself and you have your certain level of awareness, you can adapt and be a little bit flexible to interact with a person with a different type. So for example, his family doesn't really, you know, have conflict and things like that. Well, I still want to be myself. And so I more so ask great questions, right? Like rather than me, maybe making them feel uncomfortable because I'm more assertive and can talk about anything. I get curious and ask them questions. Mm -hmm. It's like how you're framing it, right? Like framing it, context. Mm -hmm. And it's just a level of mastery to where you could interact with any type of person. But I think there is an element of being adaptable. That's important. If we want to have great Mm -hmm. relationships with different types of people. Yeah. And then ultimately, I, I think at the end of the day, too, that that just will contribute so much to your success, not even just in your relationship, but in life. Right. Like in terms of people kind of like I hate this phrase because it makes it seem like people are better than others. But like knowing your place, like but more so in the sense of like knowing your role, like let's take this more of a business route, um, looking at like partnerships between people who are doing business together or that like senior employee to junior employee relationship. Um, how often do you work with those types of people? Cause I know I, I've mentioned to you that that's something that I'm looking and exploring as I grow a company and we'll be hiring people and working with a co-founder, even investors, like what that relationship and dynamic looks like. That's a tricky one. Like mm-hmm. you, like this investor is I've actually had a hard time with those conversations recently because I'm just going through it. And it's like, you want to find this person who's willing to believe in your company, can carry a lot of the reins because they have the financial power and and you're going to need money at the end of the day. But they also want to give you advice, except they're not driving the bus and they may not 100% understand your industry. Like they believe in you as a person, However, there are certain things that you're like really trying hard to explain to them. And then you're kind of like, well, I don't know if they're going to get that. And how do you do that when I'm 26 and they're 45 and I don't want to sound like a know-it-all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it does apply everywhere. So we have supported people in businesses, both like whether it's a couple in business together, okay. whether it's co-founders, we're actually angel investors ourselves. Nice. So, so you know exactly what I'm talking yep. about. So we know how to navigate even like that investor to founder relationship. And I think it's again, like realizing that the point of communication, actually, we haven't said this yet today. The point of communication is not to agree. It's to understand each other. And if you, as this per, like I'm talking to you right now, you know, in whether your romantic relationships with your employees, with your co-founder, with your investor, if you can focus on that, okay, I want in this conversation for them to feel understood and I desire to be understood. Okay. If that's the goal, rather than I need to be dominate this conversation such that <laughs> they understand yeah. me and they agree with me. That's a totally different conversation. It'll feel different. It'll also leave the person not feeling great about themselves. Sure. So if you make the goal, how can we both feel understood right now? It will feel like a completely different conversation. And that applies. So even like our founder, she has a very specific vision. She is assertive. She's powerful. She's a manifester. Mm-hmm. But in our conversations, we just let it be exploratory. We're not hard and fast. Like we need to get to a, to a solution right now. And so we're, right. you know, 
who can be more dominant in this conversation. It's, Hey, let's take our time. Let's explore possibilities. Let's, okay. I don't know, understand each other and and get more creative. That's where creativity really exists is Mm -hmm. when the conversation feels very open. I'm curious if, you know, this, you know, as being angel investors and talking with founders and that sort of thing, of course they know what you do. Like it's not like a secret, right? So I I wonder if anybody has ever given you guys any sort of feedback because obviously you're so hyper aware of this. You teach each other people. You're definitely good at it. Um, If they found it easier to work with you or have made comments that it's really enjoyable to work with you guys because of your skill set in terms Mm -hmm. of your communication styles. Well, I think anybody could have anyone say that to them if you get clear on what the expectations are up front. So for instance, Mm -hmm. an example of this would be, we got clear not only with the founder, but then her Mm -hmm. with us, what were the expectations that we had around an investment? What were the expectations she had around? But did you lead her to that? Like, do you think she's taken that away as kind of a skill or she came to it with like, more solid communication style like has some of your like obviously you went into the relationship with being an investor but I would imagine that naturally like what you do on a day-to-day basis you've definitely played like a business mentor role in the capacity of communication yeah she has said several times that she really has learned a lot about communication from us absolutely Mm -hmm. and so to her question I think absolutely I mean not to be like bragging like about us but people have said yeah it's just it's easier to feel like I can be understood. Mm -hmm. And actually around Aaron, interestingly, people have said, I feel like you're so present with me. Like you actually want to know what I'm saying. My thoughts and my emotions. And that's something Mm -hmm. that Aaron is really good at is. Well, I will confirm that even just via Zoom, you're excellent. You're probably one of the best guests I've had with making eye contact. Like mm. it's, it's very apparent. Um, like, I feel like you're looking at me versus just like, you know, you could, it's, it's hard on zoom because like, I'll look down at myself, but the camera's up there. Right. And so I, I wonder if like, sometimes my eye contact is off and I've had to practice like looking at the green light. Right. Even though I want to look at you guys too. Um, but yeah, that's super apparent even, even through the computer. So mm. kudos to Aaron for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, really, you're welcome. I mean, more, more of a thing I think I've learned over the years is most people are responding to the words that people are saying, but even more so they're responding to the way they're interpreting or even thinking about what they think the person means in the (laughs) words they're saying. When really, if you listen, like being present with somebody, you get more of a sense of what they mean or their emotion or their experience. All of a sudden, that's a real masterful level of communicating because we don't, as an individual, we don't even always say exactly what, what we, we mean. mean. No. So if if as someone that wanting to be a good communicator, if you listen more to the experience of that person or really look at them and get a sense of what they mean, you're going to respond more to that, which is going to be more effective than, sure. again, you thinking about what you think they mean to the words that they're saying. So. Right. It's like you can't, it's like we're trying to like double process or something because, <laughs> right? And like our brains aren't capable of doing that. And then that makes us appear as if we're not really present in the moment. And I think that that alone, like, would probably answer a lot of people's frustration of when they make the exclamation of you're not listening to me. I will say podcasting in and of itself, and this is another question for the two of you. Um, 
listening back to my podcast so many times I don't edit my own shows but I do listen to them mm -hmm. one time before it gets sent off and then once it's live on Spotify and Apple I like to listen again it's definitely made me like hyper aware of the way I ask questions and how I interact with people because some guests are easier to talk to than others with the two of you for example having two versus one changes the dynamic um and I can really connect on the topic that we are discussing because it's so personal to me versus other people. It might be a very, you know, these are the 10 questions I have. I try to you know, go back and forth with them a little bit, but I'm wondering if how you guys feel about this. I've found that with my podcasting style, some people really want to converse and allow me to kind of jump in and give my feedback and, and let us take the question further. And then other people, like I'll be talking for the amount of time I have been in explaining this now. And then they're just like, yeah. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know what to do with that. And I feel <laughs> awkward because that wasn't my intention. So do you think that's a, a because maybe I lost them or like maybe mm -hmm. there's something up with my communication style or like, how do you navigate that? How have you seen your communication style change the more the two of you have done podcasts, whether you're being interviewed or hosting your own? Mm. Wow, I really appreciate the question. And I think it's a really uh, authentic, genuine question. And so what I would say is when you're having conversations with people, because it was you asking about yes, you, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Is yeah. really keeping your attention on are you genuinely wanting to hear from them? And okay. what is the true intent of your question? Okay. Because sometimes like just being like, I love the authenticity. Yeah. Sometimes you ask three questions in, in one, one question. Oh, right? totally. Yeah. And so I think as you master more and more communication, and this will help with a romantic partner, with a business partner, anyone is like to be really clear on like, is my intent in the question clear okay. right now? Yeah. No, that's and really good. Like, yeah, I think, what would you add to? It was such a great oh, no, question. I mean, yeah. It is a good question because sometimes we can all get very enthusiastic and excited. Mm -hmm. right. exactly. We have an idea. We want to share. We all we want, want to get it out. So, you know, yeah, just knowing what the purpose of the question specifically is going to mm -hmm. be rather than, you know, we you could even have a podcast with somebody if the intent is what's called like bursting, right? So they used to use this in... Um, stand-up comedy shows like the daily okay. show for instance mm -hmm. they all get in a room and they understand that they don't need to cut each other off but they're just allowing for the creativity to flow, to flow. so okay they just keep going and going and bursting and creating so that's how a did they manage that though like was that go does that go back to your point that you made earlier about expectations like understanding what the expectation of the conversation is because that's an expectation it's a okay. great question it, it really is that that's their agreement and i think that when you're having conversations with people that might not be the set agreement right so here's one more thing i would give you feedback on mm -hmm. because i think it'll help all relationships yeah, there have been a couple times where we've been sharing something and we could have gone deeper, okay. but then you jumped in and took it like a different, different direction. direction. Yeah. So one thing you may like deepen relationships or even deepen like an understanding of someone is mm -hmm. if you let them go all the way through their thought and rather than kind of like interjecting your perspective on it, go tell me a little more about that. Let, let it go deeper with them because okay. actually negotiation, uh, an interesting negotiation tactic, but people's first answer is usually like superficial. Right. And then mm -hmm. they go a little bit deeper and a little bit sure. deeper. Yeah. That makes One sense. One thing I wanted to mention that Jocelyn and I learned in our own relationship that would benefit the audience also listening mm -hmm. by having the expectation of how a conversation is going to go. So mm -hmm. for wh wherever I got this, wherever I learned this, 
I thought conversation was one person speak, and then when that person's done, then the other person speaks. Yeah, I think that's what most people think, right? But if, well, I don't know. Some don't because you obviously have like the Daily Show and the creativity where there's so many ideas swirling Mm -hmm. that without the expectation, one person can feel like you just cut me off and you let me finish. Sure, okay, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. creative space, you're actually building upon the conversation and Mm -hmm. reaching new levels of innovation and creativity that you never got to before. So for Jocelyn and I, she likes to burst and create but in the beginning, before we knew that and had the mm-hmm. expectation, in my mind, I'm thinking, even as a reserve type, why are you cutting me off? Okay. So how do you set the expectations then? Like, and, and I guess I'm, I'm being, I mean, in the very tangible way, like what is, I know you mentioned in the book, you talk about different techniques and actual tips and exercises and prompts that people can follow. I would guess this may be one of them. Um, so what does that look like? Like, do you, is it literally like you sitting down with your partner and be like, this is my intention of this conversation. What are yours? 100%. I love that. We okay. will, especially if we're going to have something that's like a meaningful conversation or something that could potentially be uncomfortable or triggering, mm-hmm. we would get clear on, okay, hey, so the intention of this conversation is that we both feel heard. We both feel understood. Okay. I think you'll be the speaker. And actually, this is a good technique. I'll let you be the speaker first. I won't interrupt. And I will oh, like literally proclaiming how you're limits. going to interact with them. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, okay, you're the speaker. I'm going to let you finish completely. You let me know when you feel complete and then I'll be the speaker. So when there's that speaker listener role, mm-hmm. both people get a turn. Both people get to feel understood. Okay. Now in a different context, like let's say you're in a creative meeting yeah. and you're of your team members and it is like let's create a great campaign well as a team you could sit down and go hey all right so for the intention of this conversation since we want this to be creative we want to get to the best idea if, if everyone's okay with it we can interject is everyone okay with that are you okay and if you do feel like you wanted to finish a thought make sure you write it down so you could make sure that all parties involved know is there a certain structure we're having to this conversation? Is there a certain order of the mm-hmm. people talking? Or is it a, hey, jump in as soon as you have a thought? As long as all parties are clear on the way that the conversation is going to feel, then no one will feel suppressed or they didn't get to be heard or resentful, any of those things. If everyone's, it's almost like getting clear on the rules of the boxing match or getting yeah. the rules of the game, getting clear on the rules of the game. Why do you think people skip that step? Like, do you think it's just because literally because like you said, the whole thing behind this is it wasn't taught? Yep, exactly. Because people aren't taught that context matters, that being on the same page about how the conversation is going to go is actually very important. People are mostly just focused on themselves. Mm, of course. How do I communicate? What do I want? And it is, I think, very helpful to talk about it. That's really interesting. Now I'm going to take this in a like totally different direction um, or talking about like channels and mediums. What about texting? Do people mm-hmm. ever talk to you about that and how to handle that? I, it's coming to my, I don't know why it just popped into my brain because it really has nothing to do with what you just said per se. Um, but I've noticed that I, first of all, probably text, everybody texts more because of COVID, right? Um, but I've also had more of a desire to like FaceTime my friends versus text them, call them because I'm alone a lot and it's just me and my dog. Um, and that desire to be around people because that's who we are as humans. Um, 
So what do you think, what advice do you have for people in terms of like how to text and like, mm. I'm a stream of consciousness texter right. and my friends all know that I am that way. So it doesn't bug them. But I, I set the expectation. I tell them like, Hey, by the way, this is how I text. So then they know. Otherwise, if it's like a new person that I'm texting, they're like, why are you texting me so much? Mm. Or like generationally too. Like I have now relationships with people who are much older than I am and they didn't come up through texting the way I did. So they'll literally tell me like, can you just not text about this? Or or like, can we, can I just call you later sort of thing mm -hmm. that come up in your well, conversations think, with people you work with? Yeah. And I think as a lot of research has shown, real communication is 80% nonverbal. So of course that's all missing inside of texting. So I think a rule of thumb for us around relationships and in this conversation about texting, it's a great means for information, okay. which can be missing 80% of what real communication is about is understanding about mm -hmm. experience about emotion. And so I think just knowing those two things, Hey, we could be texting. And then all of a sudden, if you're starting to feel not understood by them, then, you know, okay, we've moved outside the realm of information into, we need to get some real communication, which I mean, at minimum, you can do like a FaceTime or a zoom. Right. And or even if you feel like the other person is maybe getting aggravated, say, hey, you know, I was just sharing the text for information. Mm -hmm. it, it seems to me that maybe something's gotten lost. So let's move into a means that we can actually communicate once again, a Zoom or FaceTime or something like that. OK, do you ever have situations where, you know, based on what the couple or the group is describing to you that you'll say to them, like, just don't text like to the point where they just it needs to be off limits or now? I think that if it's any conversation that could be misinterpreted, mm -hmm. so if, if there's any <laughs> of misinterpretation or someone getting triggered, then it can't be a texting conversation mm -hmm. because even slight changes in the punctuation that people use or the formatting, mm -hmm. grammar even can change the meaning sure. of something completely. And so we would just say that whether it's with a team, a business team, with a friend, with a family member, with your romantic partner, if there's any chance of misinterpretation, triggering someone, you know, just it creating a bigger conversation that it shouldn't be via text. No, I think that's great advice. I think it's gotten harder. And then, you know, adding in people have like zoom fatigue and all that sort of stuff. But I think it goes back to your point of earlier when Aaron was talking about more reserved types, maybe needing to take the time to like step away, process information, potentially write it down. It's on anybody, whether they're, they're more assertive or not, wherever you fall on the spectrum to kind of check like how you, how they feel and say mm -hmm. like, I can't talk about this right now. And mm -hmm. like, I, I'm, I'll read this later or like whatever it is because I'm sure you all might agree with the statement of like, it's also really hard to deal with the whole Insta gratification idea and the fact that like we feel that we must respond to the text mm. right away if we got it, yeah. which is really setting you up for the complete antithesis of what was said when we were discussing setting expectations. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's why I love putting my phone away completely so I don't even see it. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's hard. You get so tempted otherwise. For oh, sure. well, last thing on that, actually, we got this from a mentor of ours as well. But if you can communicate expectations ahead of time, even about when you'll respond to text, mm -hmm. that will help the other person not think, sure. oh, that you're why aren't they getting back to me? Are they ghosting me? Right. Okay. So when you're dating, for instance, 
if you set the expectation on your frequency of texting, mm-hmm. like, hey, by the way, I turned my phone off at 8 p.m. and I, and I uh, don't turn it on till like nine after I've meditated or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that from that period of time, the person you're dating isn't thinking like, oh my gosh, why didn't they message me back? Do they not care? So just setting your own boundaries for your own tech time is huge and just letting other people know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I've definitely experienced that recently. Like I was, I wouldn't say dating, but like, you know, seeing somebody like going on dates with them or whatever. And it was between like October, November. And now that it's January, my business is very busy this time of year, right? And so my behavior of texting Mm -hmm. has like completely 180'd and they've been really respectful and I definitely owe them the courtesy of what was just described for me to say like, hey, this has nothing to do with you. And I've said it once or twice, but I feel that I need to reiterate it. Um, I'm just really busy because it's January. Everyone's all about their weight loss goals that they didn't care about in December, like at all, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so yeah, so I think that's really hard. Well, I know you guys have to wrap and I want to be respectful of your time. So the way I love to end all of my episodes is with a quick little lightning round, like 90 seconds. I'll ask you random questions that only need like a one or two word answer. Um, if you both want to take each question, you're more than welcome to, or you can go back and forth. It's totally up to you guys. Sounds good. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's see. What is your guys' favorite shared activity to do together? Mm, I would say walking with our dog hmm. or, bike, or even uh, like beach cruising on our bikes. Nice. Love it. So active things. I like that. That's mm-hmm. good. Um, what is your guys's favorite podcast? They can be different. They don't have to be the same between the two of you. I love both Chris and Lori Harder's podcasts. They're great podcasts. Nice. What about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm not listening to as much podcast, but on YouTube. So I'll just okay. put the person yeah. I listen to right Perfect. now. Uh, his name is Said Guru. He nice. actually does uh, something called inner engineering. So it's more about traditional yogic practices, cool. mindset, energy, spirituality. Nice. I'm going to look into that. That sounds really fascinating. How'd you find him? Through a friend. Yeah, he introduced I think so, him. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where do you guys get your inspiration, whether that's for the book or just in terms of how you might problem solve with couples? conversations thousands of conversations like literally i find what we can get to discover in conversations so fascinating so just talking a lot with each other with other couples hardest part about writing a book gosh i think remembering who i'm writing to is i think harder and then together it's really just making sure that our styles aren't too too different when we're writing together yeah when you're writing it as a couple, it's mm-hmm. much different. So yeah, it was difficult in the beginning to decide who's going to write about what and then okay. like critiquing what the other person wrote. Yeah. What's the process? Chapters. Like, do you go back and forth between chapters or like, did you divide up the topics based on what you're more passionate about? And then you always proofread the other person's like, what has that looked like for you? So we came up with the structure together. So the chapters outlines topics, and then we divided who was going to cover what, and then okay. we both went over each other's and edited and said, Oh, I think I would kind of maybe add this point or change mm-hmm. it. And I mean, we just kept going back and forth. Cool. Like, multiple versions and then even a thing i learned about myself this is the second book and for some reason i wasn't getting as much inspiration writing it and it wasn't Mm. coming out in more of my voice so what i decided to do was actually because i'm a speaker so i actually recorded myself speaking all of the information i wanted or all of the 
principles for that chapter. Mm. And then I listened, either listened back to it or transcribed it and then went back and edited. So most of my chapters, I actually spoke out loud and then went back oh, and that's edited. That's so cool. That's really cool. I feel like authors don't really give that tip very much. So mm. that that's really interesting. And you're you're mm. playing to your strengths. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, kind of on that same vein, but maybe broadening the scope. What is your guys's favorite project that you've worked on together and just kind of assessing your publications, even your Instagram posts, maybe mm -hmm. down to the different courses and certifications that you offer? Do you have one that's just like your baby? I'd say b besides the argument hangover, which is like most relevant and we're like so sure. passionate about right now, I'd say our couples workshop. So mm. we've had over 700 couples attend our couples workshop. And before quarantine, we were doing them every single month in person. Nice. And we were about to take them on tour and then we all got corona And so well, we're hopefully doing it's just a pause. Right. We're doing them online now, but I'd say cool. the power that couples get in just five hours is incredible. So I'd say the couples workshop. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And, um, you know, going forward, I like to ask this question for a lot of people, where do you guys expect to be with your business and even maybe your relationship a year from now, if you were to listen to this podcast next January? Oh gosh. Well, a best-selling book. Hell yeah. Uh, I love it. At least a thousand couples attending our couples workshop again, whether most of it's online or maybe mm -hmm. some of it being able to be in person. And I would also say continuing to talk to a production company about our TV show concept. Cool. And that along. And then perhaps in our family, maybe we'll have a little one. We'll see. Yeah. Those are all great goals. It sounds like we have a very exciting 12 months lined up. I'm, yes. I'm definitely looking forward to keeping tabs on you guys and what you're doing. And just to tie it back to um, everything related to the argument hangover one more time, what would you say is the number one takeaway you hope people will gain from reading it? I would just say that there are specific ways that you can shorten the argument hangover period that you actually okay. want to aim to reconnect faster and really being able to see conflict as something that can lead to more bonding, more intimacy, more innovation, more creativity, more healing between you two. Mm -hmm. So the book is really going to transform the way people see conflict, the way they perceive it and how they show up during conflict. Love it. I'm very excited. I will definitely be reading it for sure. I think it applies to so many different aspects of our lives and I'm really excited about that. Thank you both so much, Erin, Jocelyn. It's been such a pleasure to have you on today. I could definitely see myself doing another episode with you guys for probably that TV show. We'll definitely plug that. I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about that as it comes to fruition. But last but not least, what is your shameless plug? Tell us where we can find the two of you and best connect with you. And then of course, give me whatever details you do have available about the book once it is available for purchase where can we pick it up yeah i'd say for everyone to get the two we have two hundred dollars worth of pre-order bonuses and nice two free trainings on communicating oh, cool. conflict, wow, you got like a whole triggers. package yeah exactly Great. a workbook to debrief from conflict so you can get all that and the retailer links at theargumenthangover.com beautiful so your receipt number on that web page and you get the bonuses right away and then we're super social on instagram meet underscore the freemans and from there you're you're able to check out our couples workshop our podcast 
you know, we have our empowered couples podcast. So I think Instagram is a great way to see all of it. Perfect. Well, great. Well, I'll be sure to link all that down in the show notes as well so that everybody can literally just click in Spotify or Apple or wherever they checked out the episode and get access to you guys pretty easily. So thank you again for your time today. I've really enjoyed speaking and connecting with both of you and we'll definitely take all of those tips to heart and put them into practice and report back. Thank um, you for having us. Excited. Of course. Thank you guys. This has been another episode of The Fix. Hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, as always, if you did, please connect with my guests. Both Jocelyn and Aaron are fantastic to talk to, as I'm sure you could have gathered from listening into this episode. And leave a review if you enjoyed it. But most importantly, share it with a friend. I think the two of you can attest the best way to continue to really spread the word on these communication styles and just help people people live better, healthier lives. Um, going back to my theme of fitness and health, I think that doesn't just span your physical body or your mind. It definitely spans your interactions with people too. So if you think you know somebody who can get some value from this message, please go ahead and forward it along to them. Hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day.